0: A weekend workshop, May 24th to 26th, at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look,
1: Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey... (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
2: Welcome to the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, where we explore nighttime dreams, daytime desires, and the best ways to transform the tragic, into magic. Because let's face it, we all dream, we all have our blessings, and we all have our challenges, myself included. And I don't want any of us to take any of those things lying down, if you know what I mean. I just wrote a book entitled, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste. I'm excited to explore the topic with you whether it relates to your waking or sleeping dreams because we're dreaming all the time people. So let's make it the best dream possible. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Welcome you guys to today's show. I'm really excited and I'm trying to act cool and calm but I'm not I'm just like bouncing off the walls because I'm with Gabrielle Stone and I feel like I've known (laughs) talking about you in the third person for a second I feel like I've known her for a million years and she doesn't know me but she's going to um but she's somebody whose books I've read and I've been following for a while now my stepdaughter shout out to Misha Walden said you've got you've got to get you've got to read these books you've you've got to like dive down this rabbit hole so I always do whatever Misha tells me to do even if it's goat yoga or dancing in a mosh pit or hot spinning where I vomit it's I do whatever Misha says and it's all it always takes me to the right place so I'm so grateful so Gabrielle Stone you've written two amazing best-selling books eat pray fml and the ridiculous misadventures of a single girl. And they are hugely popular. Your Instagram is hugely popular. You are just, and you've not just starred in and acted in a bunch of films, but you've directed them. You're like a quadruple threat. You dance, you act, you (laughs) direct, you write, and you are just an overall fabulous person. Do you sing? Do you... I don't, and you okay, don't want you to hear
1: it. So if <laughs> if you need to fault me for anything, it's I mean I can carry a there tune, you but no, I'm definitely not a singer.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, you and I, you and I both. We should have a band called Auto Tune. I don't know <laughs> Auto Tune chicks. Anyway, <laughs> welcome Gabriel Stone
0: to my thank show. Thank you so
1: much. Anytime I'm I'm clumped in with goat yoga and hot spinning, <laughs> I'm here for it. So thank you, stepdaughter, for recommending me. <laughs>
2: She's the best. Literally, I don't know that I would ever leave the house if it weren't for her. She's amazing. I love
1: it. That's awesome. But
2: your books, you left the house. You, okay, so for the one person who's been living under a rock who doesn't know about you and your incredible adventure, um, give us a little bit of what happens, what people need to know about Eat, Pray, FML, and what Eat, Pray, FML means (laughs) because some people don't know. Yes, well,
1: Yeah. FML stands for fuck my life, um, which was very, very true to how my life was going in in 2017. I was married for almost two years. I found out my husband was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months, among a lot of other extramarital affairs that were happening. Um, And I filed for divorce left shortly after that. I met a guy. We fell madly in love with each other and had this kind of like Whirlwind romance that was like meet my family. I'm gonna have babies with this person. Like sign, sealed, delivered. This is it. And he invited me to join him on a month long trip to Italy. 48 hours before we were getting on the plane, he told me he needed to go by himself, and I was absolutely devastated. He broke my heart like my ex husband never could have done, and I was sitting at my mom's house, because that's where you move when you're 28 and get divorced in a pool of tears on my childhood bed and was like, well, I have a decision to make. I can either stay at home heartbroken or I can go travel Europe for a month by myself. So I took my backpack and I did six countries over the span of a
2: month. And I wrote the book,
1: Eat, Pray, FML.
2: A lot could happen in a month. I mean, there's so much. (laughs) in the literary world there's a lot of people that are like i have a book that's like eat pray love and i want to kind of but you really do you did have the eat pray love like truly there was eating there was praying and there was love but there was also the fuck my life part oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of people that couldn't get away with like kind of borrowing or springboarding off of that popular title eat pray love but you really did it and you made it your own and in such a unique and and really brilliant way like it it really is the fml that is that makes it so heartening because in reality like it's an extraordinary life that you have but you're so down to earth about it and you're so frigging honest thank you
1: thank you so
2: much and you make i mean and one thing i love is as I'm reading your book and listening to the audio book, which is uh, so magical, <laughs> I felt like I was hanging out with my best friend. And you do yeah. treat the reader like a best friend. So it is an uneven playing field because I feel like I'm your best friend. Right. Well, <laughs> I'm you sure would be, everybody does.
1: You would be surprised <laughs> how many DMS I get every week. That's like, so I feel like we're best friends. And now I'm going to tell you my life story, which is yes. one of the reasons why, you know, so many people have been like, do you, do you have an assistant that kind of like handles your social media? And I'm like, no, because people pour their souls out to me in my DMS. And I feel a responsibility to answer them after they've gone on this crazy journey with me. Um, because I wrote the book that way on purpose, you know, like I, of course I can write with like beautifully poetic, strung sentences together, but that's not what I wanted this book to be. I wanted it to feel like you were sitting down having a bottle of wine with your girlfriend and traveling across Europe with me and watching this like crazy Netflix show. Um and so I I really wrote it to to give the reader that experience and to come on the journey and heal with me. So I'm glad that came across.
2: <laughs> oh, it's so it so did. I mean, in so many ways. You're in my subconscious now. I mean, I feel like yes. where's the pictures of us together on those trains? <laughs> wait, I love wait, it. <laughs> wait a minute. And is there there? I mean, it seems like there. This is going to become a series or a movie or a something. Is that too we early are, to talk
1: about? We are in like the very, very, very early stages of that world coming to life. Um, but like very early, and you know, Hollywood is like not the the quickest train to hop on. So it's it's we're in the we're it's in the works, um, and it would be a big dream of mine to see it in that type of medium for sure.
2: I've already seen it. It already happened. <laughs> it's already hugely successful. Oh my Yay. God. And would you play, would you play you? Cause you're an actress no, and you could direct. I, no. yeah,
1: I am. I think and a director. I, yeah, I'm very much more interested in directing. Um, but for a project that would be as big as this would be, it would probably be more on the producing side just to make sure it was coming to life in the right way. Like I would be very involved, but I have no interest in, in playing myself. I lived it, I wrote about it. I'm like, I got the t-shirt. Like, Let's, let's let someone else take that role. And on. all
2: the swag. There's like yeah. all kinds of, there's <laughs> journals. Oh my God, best book trailer ever, ever. So you, everybody has to go. Okay, so w- w- I just want people to know where to go because they're gonna be like looking things up right now. So Instagram is FML.
1: That's the book's Instagram. Yeah. My Instagram is at Gabrielle Stone.
2: Okay. At Gabrielle Stone. Okay, perfect. So there's there's both. And to yeah. and to watch the book trailer, the easiest place is the Eat Pray Love, the the Instagram, the Eat Pray FML. Um,
1: to watch the book trailer, you can either search it on YouTube or you can go to the website. It's on the website, which is eatprayfml.com.
2: Okay perfect it's so just you got to go there and once you look at the trailer you're going to buy so 20 glad.
1: books <laughs> I, I wrote and directed that trailer so i'm so glad that
2: you that it spoke to you that's so fun <laughs> well it's exactly what i would it's exactly what i picture like people just what the like breaking her husband up in the middle of the night shut up she, she did not oh no she did oh no Oh my God. She's going to sleep with him again. No, Gabrielle. (laughs) Oh God. And I I feel a little edited right now because I don't want to be too spoiler alert ish and tell people what happens, but there is a next book.
1: There is the next book
2: follows. Thank God, because there's like so many questions, even though it ends, eat, pray, FML ends in a very satisfying, powerful way, which I won't give away, but it still is like,
1: Totally. Dude. It's, a, it's a cliffhanger at the same time, Ben. Yeah. That was because I was writing it as it was happening to me. So once yeah. I released the the first book, I started getting all of these messages from my readers that were, and I say this lovingly, berating me like, what the <laughs> fuck happened after Europe? Like, you can't just not tell us like what went down. Um, and I didn't know because I was still living that. I, I didn't plan to write a sequel. I wasn't like, Living my life, saying "Ooh, like what's coming? Co- what's coming next?" Um, But so, Eat Pray Fml ends with me coming home from Europe, and the sequel, The Ridiculousness Adventures of a Single Girl, picks up like right when I step off the plane and right. goes over the next two and a half years of my life. So it was a lot longer of a time span than Eat Pray Fml was. Eat Pray Fml, if you can actually believe it, was over the span of three months from the time I found out about the affair fell in love with Javier got broken up with and went to Europe and came home that was all within three months of my life um so it was a lot different experience writing that second book that was so much longer and had so much more you know to figure out what to put where it was it was a lot
2: so I'm a dream person um and I wanted to pay attention to what I woke up with this morning, like Ooh, yeah. before this, and so the really the there was a whole bunch of stuff that came up that was pretty crazy and wild. Actually, there was a film festival in my dream where a friend of mine was winning an award. Oh, cool. So that's that was one piece. But the other piece was kind of a download about transitions, mm. and it was like this commentary. I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but it was basically this this message that when you're actually in the thing that you're doing, it's you're fine, but it's the getting out of the thing you were just in and then transitioning into the new thing. Like that's kind of where it's the worst and the hardest. But then yeah. once you transition, so you're in the relationship with Javier, yay. And then there's this transition and it wasn't just that he broke up with you he can you break that down a little bit because it was it's pretty amazingly horrific and i think a zeitgeisty kind of a thing what happened so
1: yeah totally um so he had lost his brother to suicide a year i think it was a year or a year and a half before we kind of came into each other's lives and he was open with me about all of this we talked about it and he was like you know i feel like i've finally turned a corner and healed from that and have started having a better relationship with my parents and have like, you know, come out the other side of the grief. I've lost a lot of people in my life. My, my father pretty traumatically when I was six years old, I walked in and found him dead on the floor from a heart attack. Um, my high school sweetheart when I was 18 in a car accident. So I'm like no stranger to grief. That's like, you know, I, I, again, been there, got the (laughs) t-shirt multiple times. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was really sympathetic towards what he was going through. Um, I have since dealt with a suicide in my family, in my life. And so that's a whole different kind of grief. Um, so it, it really, I, I understood what he was going through and where he was coming from. However, with that being said, the way he presented everything to me when we were falling in love was that he was healed and he was, you know, moving forward. And it didn't seem like he was in the thick of it anymore. Um, then, cut to a week before we were getting on a plane, uh, he woke up and was like, I had this really weird dream about my brother. Um, and I just, I, I feel weird. And that week started progressively getting worse and being like, I feel disconnected from everything. I I don't feel like I like have a relationship with my parents. I don't feel anything for you. And it was like very jarring to go from like this high honeymoon stage to now he wants to go on this trip by himself two days before we're getting on a plane. So it was very difficult for me to navigate because half of my heart was going, I have to protect this person. He's hurting. He's crying to me on the phone saying he like, doesn't know why he's feeling like this. And he's so frustrated because everything's been so perfect. So my family and friends are like, screw this guy. I can't believe he would do this to you right after divorce. And I'm sitting there defending them, defending Mm -hmm. him to them going, no, you don't understand. Like it's so much more complicated. You're not in it with us. Like you don't, know how bad he's hurting and then the other half of my heart is going fuck you bro like I just completely allowed my heart to open up again after being like cheated on and having the rug pulled out from under me in my marriage and you convinced me to go on this trip and now you're just saying never mind goodbye and like can't be with you anymore so it was a very weird
2: juxtaposition that was going on within my soul (laughs) right um i'm not have you heard of allison armstrong and her hunt the deer perspective i have not no so this is what it made me think of and this isn't the same because you're dealing with somebody who was who came out of radical trauma so and i the feeling i got and this is one thing i i loved so much was that you didn't demonize him i mean there were moments mm. when you were like yeah fuck him and i can't believe he would do this to me but you kept coming back to this big hearted yeah response so i feel like so there's something that's different about this because of that trauma but her whole perspective is there's a lot of men that do the hunt the deer thing and it's partly like it's part of our caveman survival instincts as mm. hunters and we being gatherers, women being gatherers, mostly, typically, and the hunter is geared to hunt. And we, if they, if we are like who they want, then we're like the deer that they're hunting right. and they're like, They put everything into it and they like put all the bells, whistles, everything. And then once they get the deer, the hunt is done. Right. And then there has to be another deer to hunt because mm-hmm. that keeps the dopamine yep. flowing and it keeps them feeling alive. So there's a lot yeah. of women, myself included in the past that were, were hunted and it's like, wow, he loves me. And oh my right. God. And then the moment our guard drops and the moment we're like, okay, you can catch me now. They're like, yep. oh, well, got to go and WTF. Yeah, and
1: it's so it's so interesting, like the way that you described that you know the hunter method. That's kind of what mm-hmm. I talk about a lot, as yeah. far as yeah. love love bombing, but mm. not in the narcissistic way. Correct. Love bombing in the yeah. they have a void within themselves, and they meet you, and it's like, ooh, you're making that shitty void inside of me feel better. I want more of you. I want more of you. Like, let's let's go on a trip let's get married let's like do all these things come meet my family and then eventually they're like oh wait they're not filling that void anymore because only that person individually can fill that void not someone Correct. outside of them and then they're Correct. like well they're not making me feel that good anymore so like maybe i have to go look somewhere else for it never mind this is this was a mistake and you're just like wait what what <laughs> what <Exactly. just> happened <laughs> yeah exactly
2: so I know a lot of women, and by the way, I've been Javier my life. Yeah, I've been there. Was a a period of time when I was younger. The moment somebody would say they loved me, I didn't know how or why, but I would I would turn to stone. I would mm. turn. I would. I would. Not feel anything, right. and I would have to then leave, because there was some because there was something in the love bombing or in my own hunt the deer that did everything I could to hunt them, but I knew I couldn't sustain that. I knew that they were falling in love with me under false pretenses. Mm. Like they they loved the Barbie doll version of who I presented. And that was far from who I really was because I didn't know that I could actually be myself and have anybody, I thought if anybody knew the real me, they would not love me. So it was almost like I was pissed at them for loving Mm. me like how dare you claim to use those words when you don't know me right anyway that's my own thing and I'm luckily I've been married now for 20 years so I've changed my husband knows the whole story (laughs) yeah (laughs) too much but there's a lot of women I think that have been love bombed they've been the deer and then they've been hunted and then dropped and then they're like well then there's no hope for me then because what do I do so can you speak to that without spoiling the whole what happens in the next book in The Ridiculous yeah. Misadventures of a Single yeah. Girl?
1: Yeah. I mean, I it was not the easiest um, connection to just sever and let go of, especially because there was a lot of breadcrumbing going on, which again, I don't know if it was intentional with him or mm-hmm. if he was just that aloof or really trying to figure his shit out, but- whatever it was, that's what it ended up being. So every time I would try and like take a step back and get some distance from it, it would be like, Oh, let me like throw her a message or let me like become the deer again. Yeah. Um, and it was really hard to break free from that. I also felt like there was no closure. So was consistently seeking that I learned probably one of the biggest lessons that comes in the second book is that closure does not come from the other person it comes from you and within and the disrespect that you're shown like that is the closure um but it was a it was a process to let go of that I what I I recognize as like a karmic relationship like he clearly came into my life to blow some shit up for lack of better words Mm -hmm. um you know I mean I that was the catalyst for me going on this trip and healing so much of myself and my inner child and my, my old abandonment wounds and completely going into a new career path. Like that was the catalyst for all of that. So of course it happened for a reason. And I think I came into his life to really put up a mirror and show him what he had been doing and how he had been living and that that wasn't going to serve him. So it, it was a very, you know, healing relationship, although it was very toxic at times. Um, So he does appear in the second book. It's the second book was probably harder for me to write than the first one, because I was in my now current relationship. That's very stable and very healthy. And to go back to times where Mm -hmm. we weren't that way and things that I wasn't necessarily proud of and behaviors that like, don't really feel that great to me to write about those honestly and to tell our whole story completely, it took a long time to get to where we are now and a lot of twists and turns. And so it was a it was a lot more painful for me to write that second book than than the first one. I
2: um, I have I work with some authors on the side. And um one one of the things that that is the big issue is when you're writing memoir. Mm-hmm. There are humans that are real that you write about. I mean, you have permission to tell your story, but how much permission do we have to tell someone else's story? So you do it all so bravely and so honestly. And so, um, I want to even say reverently as irreverent as you are, like, you're just like, (laughs) fuck, (laughs) (laughs) but you, but you're, there's like your big heartedness shows through. So is that part of I don't know how did you how did you manage dealing with the landmines of having real people be in your book?
1: It was tough. Um, I mean, the first one I kind of gave everyone a heads up, like when they would meet me in Europe. I was like, "I'm writing a book. If you're hanging out with me, you're gonna be in it." Like, just fair game. <laughs> Most people thought it was like very cool. Um, when when I finished Eat Pray Fml, I had to reach out to everyone um, who had text messages in the book. That's the only time I had to get permission from those people. If they didn't have text messages, it's kind of like fair game. Um, and then it just becomes a moral question of like, how much are you putting out there and is this person gonna be okay with it? because of my moral compass, like I felt the need to speak to all of like the people that were now main characters in the book. Um, I changed all the names just okay, you know there you go. Just, that's just the to saving be- grace just to be safe
2: no Um, lawsuits here right
1: no um i also allowed everyone i I, when i messaged them was like hey do you want me to untag you or remove any photos that you're in on my instagram so people can't figure out who you are because lord knows they are detectives out there i mean it's wild there are (laughs) blog posts on like who (laughs) javier is and who this person
0: who's chris right right it's
1: crazy um So I I gave everyone that, that decency, including Javier, Javier, his mother and his sister all signed a release for me for the first book. That's why there's text messages from all of those people. So anyone you see text Mm. messages from, they signed off on the book and said like, yes, this is okay. I give you permission. You will notice that in the second book, there are no text messages from Javier. (laughs) Um, He was Mm. very supportive of the first book, not so much of, of the second Um, I think after the success of the first book Mm -hmm. and (laughs) whatever blowback he might've received, which I am unaware of, um, Mm. and, and never was intentional. Um, I, I, think it kind of hit him in a different way, um, to where he was like, no, I, I don't want any of this out there again. Um, but at that point, you know, it was like, well, do, I respect him saying, I don't want this story out. Or do I respect myself and all of the readers that are going to heal from this second book and put it out anyways. And for me, it was more at that point in our relationship dynamic. It was like, no, it's time for me to stand up for myself. And this is my voice and my story. And I'm going to tell it because just because you behaved badly does not mean that like, I should be silenced about it. Um, And so I released it um, and it was, you know, it's, for the most part, everyone has been very supportive when they are in the, the books. Um, And it's, you know, I think it's, it, it is a crazy thing to think about because the majority of those people are just regular people, you know, like Javier is an actor and my, Mm -hmm. my current, (laughs) my current husband is an actor. Like a lot of, like most of the other people are not in the public eye in any way. Like no one would ever know them unless they're friends with them and you're in their life. So this suddenly when you're like, okay, now you're a character in a really popular book that might eventually become a movie. So someone would be cast as you, like that's a big weird thing to be like, because I met this girl in Europe and had a fling with her now, like this, it's, it's a very weird thing to kind of like wrap your brain
2: around. It makes me think of, in a, in a way, um, Years ago, when the when Neil Donald Walsh came out with his books, "Conversations with God," are you familiar with those? Oh my God, it's
1: like my mom's Bible.
2: (laughs) I love your mom, by the way. I interviewed her years ago. I love Dee Wallace. Oh God, she's (laughs) so. If anybody doesn't know who she is, she was the mom in E.T. and the woman in Cujo and many other movies, and she's just such an icon, and I love her very much. And she's a spiritual teacher and world
1: healer. She's amazing
2: world healer yeah. um okay what was i gonna say i can't oh darn it i forgot <laughs> got sidetracked on mom <laughs> on mom on mom okay well speaking of mom, well, we were talking
1: here. about the 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 people in the in the books now becoming you know, oh, oh, oh I mean, and...
2: um, so Neil Donald Walsh, um, oh, yes, <laughs> in the one of the last conversations with God books, they he talks about the Hebs, the highly evolved beings, mm. and like some of the ways that we would, if we were highly evolved beings, we would live our lives as if everything we did and said and even thought. Would end up on the cover of People magazine. That's right. So we should live and breathe and think and do as if we were going to end up in a Gabrielle Stone book.
1: That's right. (laughs) Like, you know, if you wanted to No shame in our game. If you wanted to be written about better, you should have behaved better. Like, that's just what it comes down to.
0: Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids. And for parents, try three new brainy chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized.
1: to and you know like it's an interesting kind of dynamic with the javier situation because the first one he was like yeah go for it like i'm so proud of you this is going to be amazing like let me sign off on it and i don't think you know sometimes men certain men underestimate women um and that's well, most fine. <laughs> most
2: books that get written don't become massive, huge, yeah. runaway bestsellers. And I mean, they that's, just don't. That's so. true.
1: That's true. But I knew. I knew the whole path of this book. I knew what it was going to do. I knew how big it was going to be. It hasn't even reached the, the bigness of what it's going to be. And I knew that it was going to eventually end up on screen. Um, so I knew and i knew that when i was living my life and when i decided eventually i was going to write about the sequel you know at one point and this is written about in the sequel javier even joked like oh this is going to be intense for the sequel like he he knew he knew
2: now everybody knows there's going to probably be a next one i imagine
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it wasn't It wasn't until he saw the success of the first one and what that meant for people's judgments of, of him um, that it became not okay. And to me, it's like that I can't really get behind, especially when I am so steadfast and confident in the fact that of what you said, I, I wrote the first book when I was still in love with him. I wrote the second book from a very, real caring place. Like yeah. the only times that people will think, fuck this guy, or he's the villain is by his actions, not by how I've written about him because everything in those books is 100%
2: true. And he would attest to that. I want to talk about, oh, well, just as an aside, um, Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, when she mm-hmm. told the guy who she marries at the end of Eat, Pray, Love, I'm going to write, I'm writing about this. And he, and mm-hmm. she's like, but don't worry about it. Nobody reads my books. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, okay, cool. So you have my permission. And then it was like, "Whoa!" Oh my anyway, God. just kind of a, a funny thing. Um, but I, I'm remembering, of course, I think everybody does this when they read your book, because it I've heard once that when when you write about something deeply, deeply personal, it becomes absolutely universal mm-hmm. because there's something about like the deeper you go in you, the you touch the soul of the world, like you touch my soul. And it made me think of one relationship in particular that was especially hard. Like there's been big love in my life before I met my husband. But there was one relationship that was so hard to let go of. It was partly because not only was I attracted to him kind of like in an Aphrodite kind of like chemistry sort of way, but I simultaneously had this very maternal energy with him because he had been through so much in his life. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of like a savior. him and he had seen me as like oh my god if it wasn't for you i wouldn't be and i get the chills as i say this i don't know that i've ever talked about this before yeah but i liked being an angel in Mm. his eyes i liked being seen as somebody that was that was helping another soul to heal and grow so getting out of that dynamic was yeah. like such a talk about an like a mind a fuck.
1: Yeah. Because I, I felt resonate. like I was
2: abandoning and I wanted to take care of. So
1: yeah, I resonate a lot with that. I've done a lot of work in therapy, a lot of past life regressions. Um and it's so funny. I actually I released this chapter that was deleted from the sequel um Ooh. onto my Patreon subscription but it's about me going to a healer that does past life regressions, who is a very close family friend of Javier's and took me through this whole past life thing where I was his mother. And my therapist who also works in the spiritual realm was like breaking a mother son bond. And I know this is like kind of woo woo for some people, but, um, breaking a mother son bond in a new lifetime is one of the hardest things to do it's because you feel like you're abandoning your child in a weird fucked up way even though this is like a man who is older than me who broke my heart like it it was very complicated and very strange to try and navigate and it made a lot of sense and gave me a lot of peace as to why it wasn't so easy to just let go of and get over
2: Right. Oh my God, this is healing like a I didn't expect this. There's this little like place of pain that I think I've just always Mm. had that's like being released and didn't expect that. Cause I didn't I I think there's something about experiencing it and and reading about somebody else's experience. There's another about like even putting words to it myself, being able to say something about that because it does seem like such an odd dynamic yeah but i i wonder how many other people have felt this oh, or have completely. that completely
1: and a lot of people that didn't grow up in a spiritual household or this is like new information to them are mm-hmm. you know probably like well beating themselves up saying like why is it so hard for me to get over this relationship and like why can't i just deal with the the breakup and they mm-hmm. don't realize that there might have been you know, some past life stuff that you were healing and coming into this life to really like work through that karmic kind of payoff.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Oh, so, on that note, um, no. <laughs> that's
1: so, good. It, it means it was meant to come up to be released, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It is such an interesting thing. Um, And, you know, it's, I think it's easy to go through life and, and have things be kind of like bada bing, bada boom, when you don't feel very much, or when you don't love very much, or when you don't give very much. But when you really pour your whole heart into someone or into a relationship or into something, and it ends, it's, it takes something. So I love that you, you take us through almost like, Detail by detail, step by step. It's almost like a, a manual for mm-hmm. how to get over and how to move on with after having such a a big kind of thing. So yeah. on that note, I want to ask you. So what's been on my heart lately with the after the release of my book, a crisis is a terrible thing yeah. to waste. I'm I'm realizing that yes, I have my go to strategies for how to like when the shit hits the fan, like what to do. But I'm aware that there's a lot of others. So what would you say is your way of um, transforming the tragic into magic at this moment in your life?
1: That's such a good question. Um, Well, I have like certain general rules that like if there's a trauma or something heavy that's happening in my life that I automatically go to that's kind of textbook for me, um, I will cut out any. Not that I'm a big drinker anymore, anyways. Especially now that I'm pregnant. Um, but now that you're I will. <laughs> wait, hold on. Can we just like
2: say? Ah! Okay. <laughs> so I didn't want to say it myself because I didn't want out. But married and seem to be with children. And yes, uh,
1: yes. The uh, well, you happy, have children. Big happy ending.
2: Um. Well,
1: I have yeah, my up. yeah, my my stepdaughter. You, the, your my, stepdaughter, yeah. Who yeah, calls you Peanut? Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> She called, that's my, my nickname for her and her dad. <laughs> so, cute.
2: Um, keep going. So, so now that you're I, pregnant, I, I was cutting out yeah, the drinking.
1: Yeah, no, but I, whenever I was going through a trauma, like when I went through my divorce, I stopped drinking entirely. I think it's really important when you're moving through really emotional turmoil, um, to not have any outside, outside substances that are affecting you and to really keep, keep like a clear head and to, eat really well and do the things that you know are going to make you feel good for me that was like going to the gym eating well not drinking um so those mm-hmm. things are are things that i automatically lean on but my biggest advice from living it would be to make sure you're not shutting your heart off and i think it's so important mm-hmm. to keep moving through life after bad shit happens to you with an open heart. Um, If there was ever a time for me to shut my heart off, it would have been after my ex-husband's affair. Um, And if I would have done that, I would have not met and fallen in love with Javier. I wouldn't have gotten my heart broken, which taught me so much about my life and about myself. I wouldn't have gone on that trip that completely changed my life, you know, me internally, spiritually as a woman and as a human, but also like my career, and where I'm at now. Uh, And so I really would urge people when you're trying to turn the trauma into magic, make sure you're keeping your heart open. Like that is the best thing you can do for yourself.
2: And let yourself feel. And I think there's something, I mean, people should read your book because I think they get to, it's very cathartic and Mm -hmm. it has a happy ending, not to spoil I guess it's it's not a spoiler because it's wor- I knew what the ending was going to be before I started. I'm like my grandmother right. who always would read the last page of the book before <laughs> she started any book. <laughs> but it's it. But there is a happy ending. But you earn it. It's not just like right. you sat around twiddling your thumbs, feeling sorry for yourself, and then this happy ending happened. You we get to see you do everything wrong because you you do do a there's a lot of drinking which is a a blast there's a lot of having sex with a lot of hot dudes which is so much fun (laughs) so talk about a fun beach read like a chick lit where I mean like it's for guys too but yeah (laughs) but then you figure it out
1: yeah it's funny because I get so many messages that it's like lovingly being like fuck you Gabrielle I thought I was picking this up to like go to the beach and laugh and read and you do all those things but you also like go heal the deepest parts of your soul without me like putting it in your face just because you're going on this journey with me and you're resonating with so many of the things that I'm bringing to the surface and healing from so it's it's really like the perfect mix of like a wild Netflix rom-com and like the, one of the biggest like self-help books you can probably pick up without realizing it.
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, like they say the best writing is show, don't tell, and mm-hmm. you do almost all showing. Like you yeah. just take us on the journey. It's like you we're just with you. And then yes, you do these awesome things called thought onions, which I want mm-hmm. you to break it down and do one of those with us. But you it's what your book is is it's a full meal that starts with dessert which is the best way. Like here's a bunch of <laughs> cupcakes and martinis and cosmos and look at all this stuff. And then it's like the deceptively delicious. It's like oh,
1: I love that analogy.
2: <laughs> but it's really healthy. It's like all like cupcakes that are actually made of protein. What? It's <laughs> good for me. It didn't leave me feeling like I don't know I I I just binged and I'm I've got a blood sugar crash. It left me feeling like empowered and enriched. Okay. So one thing I like to do on this show is every guest that comes on, there's some kind of a, like a teaching piece, an experiential piece that people can actually do because everybody is going through something. Everybody's on Mm -hmm. the edge of themselves. And if you're not living on the edge, as Michael Beckwith says, you're taking up too much room so it's good to be on the edge of yourself and so i i would like to invite everyone watching to call up what is your pain du jour or your stuckness du jour or your uh, whatever du jour whatever the thing is that's just like ouch and gabrielle would you be willing to talk us through how to do a thought onion and maybe how maybe give us an example of one of yours or like whatever is happening now i'm going to just hand it over to you with the thought onion
1: absolutely so the thought onion is kind of my technique that's written about in the book that i use throughout my whole trip that you can really take a thought or an emotion that you're experiencing and break it down to get to what's at the core of it So you look at it like an onion and the first layer is the superficial thought. And that's kind of your like knee jerk reaction, right? When you have it, like before you can even catch the words coming out of your mouth. And it's oftentimes very superficial. And our mental mind is what's creating that thought underneath that is the authentic thought. And that's kind of like the emotion that is underneath that caused that initial thought to come out in the first place um the ouch spot if you will that caused that superficial reaction and when we take a step back from that underneath that layer is the subconscious thought and that's really where the real like golden nuggets lie when you can get to that layer and it's usually a past trauma or a long-stemming subconscious belief that has been with us for quite some time and when we get <clears throat> and when we get to that layer, we can really be like, oh, this is what's causing all of this. And if I can adjust and heal that moving forward, I can have different thoughts and reactions in the future.
2: So as an example, the the guy I was talking about, I'll just um, say the superficial thought, the one that I broke up with, it felt like it matched the Javier mm-hmm. guy. I could say on the surface, he was an asshole. He, mm-hmm. um, you talk about the lipstick, which I yeah. well, he was always pinching my waist and and one day i ate french fries and he was like pissed at me for eating french fries cuz it would make me fat and so we could say superficial asshole yep okay so then what's the un- so what's the next thing
1: well if you're wanting to do it i mean look he is an asshole for doing that let's just yeah. like lay that out there and be clear yeah. but if you're doing about like what this brings up for me personally um or, you know, you in this sense, uh, as a, like removing him from the situation, it would, the first superficial thought, you're absolutely correct, would be you're a fucking asshole. Asshole, <laughs> fuck you.
2: God, hate yeah. you. Hate
0: all yeah. men. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Yep, yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. The authentic thought would be, mm, that would probably, I'm like going straight to the subconscious because I've well, done this so many times. The authentic thought would be, you don't treat me the way I deserve. Right. And yeah. I think the subconscious thought, which is what's like at the core of everything would be, I'm not good enough.
2: I'm not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then what's under that? The truth. That's, that's, that's
1: well, yeah, that's the, the right. subconscious thought is like, that's the the core feeling of what you need to yes. really address because it's right. not, I mean, yes, he's doing like something that's really fucking rude, but what he's doing is triggering the, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel good enough within myself.
2: Yes. And I would add on the subconscious thought that he's a mirror of my own thoughts about myself. Absolutely. In the past, because now I can eat French fries with abandon. I try not to, but I, but I can, but I attracted somebody that was a reflection of what I was Saying to myself, I mean, yeah, it's like you spot oh my God, it, you got it. Right. The
1: the um the way that relationships are mirrors in our lives, and we have to take responsibility for that. Like, I am a perfect example of, I was walking through this whole life with a fear of abandonment after losing my dad and losing my high school sweetheart. It was like, when I love someone, they die, fear of abandonment, men abandon me. So I was attracting men that were going to play out this scenario and this belief that I had in different ways. So I attracted my ex-husband who abandoned me in one of the most heinous ways possible by disrespecting my body and our vows. And then I attracted Javier, Who quite literally abandoned me physically, like two days before we were getting on the plane to go on a trip that he invited me on. So I was the one that was attracting these men into my life that were playing out this subconscious belief that I had. So until I recognized that pattern and took responsibility, not saying that you deserve that, it's not, that's not what I'm saying, but when. You're able to take responsibility and be like, there is a pattern. Why am I attracting these people into my life? What is it within me that's pulling them to me? And you can fix and heal that. Then you can start attracting different people in different situations in the future.
2: Right. That's where our power is. I mean, there's we can't go around changing everybody else because it doesn't work. I mean, right. if it did, then I would know that because that's what I right. tried. <laughs> but they just don't read the script. It's like, I wrote the script. I'm the director here (laughs) of my life and you're not (laughs) playing your part right. It's so easy, just do it. But when we get to the the subconscious thought, then there's like, ah, here's where my work is. And this is what you keep coming back to. And this is what I love you for because it feels like it it just hits bullseye right in my heart that it's about you loving you it's about you honoring you you taking care of you and i love okay just for a second because i know we're kind of running towards the end of this our little capsule here but i love that you take yourself on another trip in in your second book the ridiculous Mm -hmm. misadventures of a single girl you go off to bali and you i mean that was Really courageous, but you... well, that was
1: my my solo trip by choice. Yes, by <laughs> um, choice. Yeah, and I I did. I went to Vietnam, Thailand, and Bali, and it was a such a different solo trip than my Europe trip, but in so many amazing ways. And I think each trip that you do, especially solo trips, bring really different and incredible things if you're open to receiving them.
2: I love how. I mean, I literally feel like I was. There with you because there's the like the to go back to the dream I had last night about transitions. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Okay, I'm off the plane. Um, where am I going to go and who am I going to meet? And right, and yes, there might be there was the one person that was like your touch point person, but there's a million unknowns, there's a million things you don't know, and yet you're kind of forced into being in the moment, which Mm -hmm. is and, and you find your way. I think so many people don't, don't travel solo. I mean, there's the first little solo trip I ever did was because there was, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Sark, but, Mm -hmm. um, she wrote a book called succulent wild women, and it literally fell off the bookstore shelf. I opened it up to a page Mm -hmm. that said, every woman should go on a, on a trip by herself. I agree with that. And I was like, okay. So I literally left the next day on oh a road God, trip that. by myself and it was life changing and it was yeah. terrifying and death yep. defying and like I could have died so many times but it mm-hmm. was like oh I'm so glad I did it so say say a little bit about what you would say the benefits of solo travel even if it's just a little road trip or taking your damn self yeah. out to dinner by yourself
1: yeah there it's endless what you can get from solo travel. And again, like you said, you don't have to get on a plane and go to Europe or, or Southeast Asia. You can go, you know, a state over, you can go on a road trip. You can take yourself camping locally for a weekend by yourself, but there's something about going by yourself that makes you realize how capable you are. Um, and there's so much confidence instilled within you when you experience that. And you have so much time to actually be with yourself. We're so often, you know, on our phones, on Netflix, on TikTok. And it's like, we're never really with ourselves getting to know ourselves. And solo travel is such an incredible way to do that and to remeet yourself. yourself um, and to just realize like, what a badass you are. It's really like, it's incredible. And I, I really do. I agree with that statement. Every woman and person, every person should go on a solo trip. Every person.
2: Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Except for the children persons. Well, Maybe right. not. Maybe <laughs> they should wait until they're, once you're, you know. once you're older, <laughs> <laughs> once you're older. Okay. So just as, as we're wrapping up here, you have, because your books, books, uh, have been so fiercely popular and you've done five bazillion interviews. Is there anything that you that you wished that I had asked you that I haven't or that most people don't that you're like, I got this thing. Why, and no, I, this? I,
1: I actually think that you did that a lot throughout this interview. I feel like this conversation has been very unique and we've taken a lot of like twists and turns that I don't normally get asked, which I love. Um, I would say, cause I know there's so many people that, that listen to your show that are on their healing journeys. Um, mm-hmm. After I wrote the two books, I came out with a self-love healing journal called fuck off. I'm healing. And um, it's a, a really great tool and a step-by-step guide to like, it's, it's me holding your hand, walking you through your, your healing journey and kind of giving you different prompts and there's different sections. It's not all about heartbreak, although that is in there of course, but it's about fear and overcoming past traumas and forgiveness and all the different things that you need to kind of like do some work on to, to move through it and move forward. Um, so I think that would be something that i would point people in the direction of and you can get that either on amazon or signed by me on
2: eatprayfml.com oh get signed by gabrielle <laughs> coffee i used to say um i i used to joke i love your idea way better but when i'm when i've been in transitions like between one phase not even like a physically going somewhere transition but just in life where one chapter ends like when I, I mean, there's been so many chapters in my life, but in between chapters, there's this disorientation, this like, I remember thinking I need to have a sign that I wear around my neck that says, pardon the mess, under construction. Uh-huh. Like, don't ask me, oh, what do you do? So what's exciting in your life? Like, mm, don't, right. just pretend I'm not here. Be nice to me. But- Things will be fine one day, but leave me alone for now.
1: Yeah. But I love
2: that, like reading the journal. Fuck off! I
1: mean, you know, sometimes we gotta just be like, "Look, dude, I'm I'm a work in progress, and I need to yeah. figure my
2: shit out." Right, and maybe we need to just be. I mean, like, there's that saying: "We should die daily." I think we should be reborn daily, but that mm. also means being messy daily. Yeah. Because yeah. we can't just transition from one like phase, we can't grow rapidly and radically if we're not willing to just be a hot mess yeah. as we do it. Like I think messiness is next to blessiness. I don't know. It's next I to godliness. That.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my true. god. Oh, uh, okay. Any last words of
1: wisdom before I let you fly? Um, You know, if you're going through heartbreak or trauma or any of the things that life throws at you and it's, it's darker than it has ever been, I can promise you there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So just keep going. It is more magical than you could ever
2: imagine. Gabrielle Stone, you are more beautiful and more magnificent and wise and intelligent and fun than I even imagined. And I already, I was already your BFF, but now I'm your BFF. BFF. Thank Ah, you for that. So, Gabrielle Stone at so Instagram is Gabrielle Stone, and also Eat, Pray, FML. And, and go check out her movies as well. And you (laughs) won all these awards as we haven't even talked about all that stuff. But (laughs) I mean, that's like, seriously badass, not just being a beautiful actress, but also the badass director winning all these awards and then writing these books and now finding love and having so a million blessings on your pregnancy and on this journey that you're on i can't wait to read the next book so everybody make sure you get eat pray fml and the ridiculous misadventures of a single girl and look for her movies and or netflix series or whatever series coming to you very soon gabrielle stone Give your mom the biggest hug for me and all your ancestors and thank them for letting you stand on their shoulders and being the badass warrior FML queen that you are. Thank
1: you. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Sweet dreams.
2: Thank you for listening to The Kelly Sullivan Walden Show. If you enjoyed this episode, take a moment to like, subscribe, comment, and share it with your friends. My show can be found on Apple iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to border my new book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, go to your favorite online or brick-and-mortar retailer, then head on over to kellysullivanwalden.com, Tragic 2 Magic. Input your order number and redeem your bonus gifts. I'm also excited to be offering a DreamWork Practitioner Training. So if that calls to you, go to KellysullivanWalden.com forward slash dreamwork. If you'd like to join me for the live recording of these shows, most Wednesdays at noon Pacific, you can find me on Facebook at Kelly Sullivan Walden Dreams. If you have a question about your dreams or about how to transform your tragic into magic, email me at kelly at kellysullivanwalden.com. Until next time, remember, a crisis is a terrible
0: thing to waste. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw. And on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts
1: and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind, Body, Spirit
0: FM podcast network or wherever you find your podcast.